0: Welcome back to Octopulse, our Detroit News Detroit Red Wings podcast. I'm assistant sports editor Mark Faulkner with Red Wings beat reporter Ted Kulfin. We're up in the press box at Little Caesars Arena before the Red Wings Devils game on Tuesday. The day after the NHL trade deadline saw a record 32 trades involving 55 players. Most analysts gave Steve Eiserman a solid B for his moves at the deadline. Ted, what what grade would you give Eiserman?
1: That sounds about right, Mark. Yeah. Don't you think? I mean, I, I would. It was fine. Average. I mean, a l- average, a little above average. Um, you get a couple of second-round draft picks for Andreas after to see you. Considering the season he's had, I guess you can't be too disappointed. Uh, And then Mike Green for a conditional fourth. Fourth round, maybe conditional third if he made some stipulations. I mean, the way Mike Green's played this year. I think we all kind of speculated it was going to be a fourth round pick. So looking back, I'm about what we expected, I suppose. I know they really wanted a first round pick for Anthony CU if they could have grabbed one. But it just wasn't going to happen. It wasn't in the cards. Uh, by the way, I think it'll be interesting to see those two in an Edmonton mm-hmm. uniform. I really do think the situation there for Anthony CU, he could thrive there, obviously. I mean, we've heard all about it yeah. the last few days. I mean, playing with Connor McDavid, it's a team that has a lot of speed, plays that fast-paced game. I, I think he's well-suited. I'll be very interested to see these last few. Six weeks or so, what he does there.
0: Let's hear now from Eisenman on a number of issues. First of all, trading Athanasiu to Edmonton. Ted, Iserman said that Athanasiu never really got into rhythm after an early injury. Next thing you know, he's minus 45 and the team is mathematically eliminated from the playoffs. Did you ever get the sense, though, that Iserman included Athanasiu in his core group of players? Or was Iserman just waiting to unload Athanasiu when the right deal came along?
1: I think there a little bit of both there, Mark. I really yeah. do think after, I mean, after last year... The season they had, I, I definitely think he was definitely part of the core group. But uh, opinions can change, <laughs> and opinions on Mr. Anthony see after the season he's had changed considerably. I don't think he was obviously at this point a part of the core. And it, it, for to get two second-round draft picks, that's what they're building for, and that's what they want. And he was became expendable. Now, at practice this morning,
0: you talked to Dylan Larkin about the Athanasiu trade. They've been friends for five years, going back to the 2015-16 season. And during that time, Larkin has 105 career goals. Athanasiu had 83 goals. Here now is Dylan Larkin.
1: How did Andreas take it? Was he pretty excited
2: about going over there? Well, you, I don't know. I mean, I think he was pretty shaken up. I think you didn't really want to... You know, reality of it, he didn't uh, want to be moved, he was, was comfortable here, we, we had a good group, you know, he fit in with us and, um, but he's got a great opportunity, he knows that, he, he's excited for that opportunity with uh, the players they have, the, the weapons they have up front, he's going to fit in nice there.
0: Larkin talked about all the weapons that he'll have, we talked about it right off the top. How do you see those two players, though,
1: fitting in? Do they have a Do they have a cup run in them? Can they get to the Can they get to the Western Conference Final? Edmonton's well, been a surprise yeah. team, Mark. No question about that. I'd, I'd still be awfully surprised, I think, if they reached that point. But going back to the Larkin comments, well, I was kind of struck somewhat this morning. Just that, that trade did seem to have an impact. Some that little core group there of the Larkins. You got the Manthas, Bertuzzi's, Fabries. They were a tight-knit group, and I think it did kind of struck yeah. them a little bit that, you know, one piece of that puzzle is now gone, and who knows in the future who could be next or whatnot. I mean, I think Larkin keeps on saying there's a little bit of a wake-up call. I could see that.
0: Are you surprised
1: that he called it a wake-up call? He he knows this game, right, Dylan Larkin? Oh, yeah. 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 No, I think he just, it, it just its – there is a human side to all this, Mark. There's no question about it. I mean, here's a – friend and a teammate of yours for four or five years, suddenly you're not he's not there. It's like growing up and all of a sudden your next door neighbor, or your best buddy, is not there. It's an adjustment. There's no question about it. It can be cruel. But this is a business. I think that's the thing about today's young players. They understand it. Uh, most of them have been traded already at some point in junior or whatnot. I mean they they realize they're expendable. I mean it is a business. One more note on
0: Athanasiu, last Tuesday when the Montreal Canadiens were here in Detroit, Montreal reporter Eric Engels of Canada Sportsnet talked to an older player on the Red Wings who criticized Athanasiu. The quote read, these young guys come in and think it's all about the highlights. We've all talked to him to try and get him to understand how he'll be successful, but he doesn't want to listen. It's all up to him now. If I had a speed I'd go around everyone but he just wants to go through giveaways he's gonna wind up minus 45. Now Ted I texted Engels today and he said he didn't think it was a scathing indictment I've watched Athens CU since he was a 15 year old rookie with the London Knights and he's come a long way during those five years do you think Iserman, though trusted Athens CU, that he was a good teammate I don't know if I could imagine Eisman sitting down with Athenasiou at the end of the season, to see you making $3 million and asking for this big contract right. if Eisman didn't believe he was going to be part of the part of the future.
1: Yeah, I don't think they were going to give him $5-6 million. I re- I'm very leery all the time of unattributed sources, Mark. It I just, just bugs me, I don't necessarily, I've never written that way, I've always been very leery of that. Uh, I just don't think he was, as, but I don't. I just don't think he was a piece going forward. I really don't. I don't think he was a Steve Eiserman type of player. He didn't have the grit. Uh, he's basically, essentially a one-trick pony. I mean, he really is. All offense doesn't really do too much. He can do the offense very well when things go in his way, but not much of a defensive player, as that minus forty-five <laughs> indicates. And he doesn't does have any grid either. So, I mean, there's definitely faults in his game.
0: As we were saying off the top, the Red Wings also traded Mike Green to the Oilers for that fourth-round draft pick, replacing the fourth-round pick that Eisenman sent to Tampa Bay for Adam Ernie. Here's what Eisman had to say about the deadline in general, Green specifically, and how he didn't have to touch his core players, letting us decide who those core players are. Ted Eisman just said he got reasonable value for Green. He was also here for those five years with Larkin and after the CU. After spending 10 years with Alex Ovechkin in Washington at the beginning of the season, I talked to Green about watching Ovechkin finally winning the cup. Green wasn't there. And in fact, Green was really curious about the effort and the sacrifice it took Ovechkin and Eisman to finally win. Again, I don't know if he's going to cap off his career with a championship in Edmonton, but it certainly is interesting hearing players learning from the Isermans and Ovechkins on what it takes to be a champion.
1: I just found it kind of disappointed that we, I don't think their wings ever really saw Mike Green at his peak. I mean, he's been here for what, four or five years he was here. The last two have been so injury riddled. It was a shadow of what he was. Uh, I don't know, I, this be he was challenging Athena to for that green jacket this year I don't want to say he's a shell of the player he was but he's not the player he was but I still think he can help Edmonton I think he can help him on the power play um, it'll be interesting to see if he meets the some of those conditions whether how many games he actually is able to stay healthy and play for Edmonton but I think he can help that team can they? can he help him with a Stanley Cup like I said I doubt it but I'd be curious to see what his future holds. I'd I want. I'd be curious to see if there is another team this summer who's would you would be willing to give them one or two years.
0: Now at the news conference yesterday, Wojo asked Eisenman about the rebuild, how long it was going to take to start winning again. And if the job was more difficult than he could have imagined back on April 19th last year, here's what Eisenman had to say. Ted, we've talked about how long it's going to take just to make the playoffs. Carolina went 10 years before making the playoffs last year. Buffalo is at eight. Detroit's at four. The longest drought in Detroit's 94 year history is seven years from 1970 to 77.
1: That's interesting, Mark. I think they'll challenge, I think we've talked about that before. Yeah, I think they will challenge that. I really do.
0: Did you get the sense listening to Steve Eisenman yesterday talking about all the draft picks? Just how long, though, it's going to take. They have 10 this year, 9 next year. They've had 32 in the last three years. But didn't you get the sense that Steve Eisenman was saying, we're not even going to see these players, as you said, for many, many years. Oh, it's going
1: to be multiple years. And then, when I mean, we're looking down on the ice right now. I mean, the much-ballyhooed Jack Hughes. I mean, I remember all the hoopla last spring. About Jack Hughes. Well, look at the stats. Again, let's forget. I mean, the kid's 18 years old, but he's got seven goals, 13 assists, and he's got a minus 22. It's so hard to play in this league, and it takes a long, long time to adjust to it, to to feel comfortable. To I don't want to even say dominate, but become a good player. I mean. We talk about these draft picks, and that's all fine and dandy, but you got to pick the right player. Then you have to watch them and develop them and guide them into a, being a good pro. Mark, they're so far from that. I mean, that's a bottom line. I, they will challenge that seven years. I uh, pretty confident saying that at this point. Iserman
0: also praised Coach Jeff Blaschel and his staff despite this last place record. Here's what Eisman had to say about Blaschel. Ted, on the radio this morning, Mike Stone and Jamie Samuelson of 97.1 FM, The Ticket, asked Iserman if the players needed a new voice after five years of listening to Blaschel, and Iserman reiterated his position that he'll sit down with Blaschel at the end of the season and reassess things, assuming the young players continue to improve these final 18 games. What do you think Iserman might do? Keep Blaschel, even though Gerard Galant and others might be out there? Fire him? Or maybe offer Blaschel a job in the organization? I think
1: there is a path here. I mean, yep. let's face it. This is such a, there's no, ta- there's very little talent on this roster. Very little NHL talent. I mean, most of it's basically third or fourth liners or players who should be or could be in Grand Rapids. I don't think it's a fair indication of Jeff Blaschel's coaching ability. Um, do I, I still don't think he'll be back, but we have to take Steve Eiserman at his word and there's some accuracy in those comments. I mean, I really do think you can't blame Jeff Blaschel for this. I mean, there's no doubt at all. I mean, I, him and his staff have done as much as he could. I, look at, I don't think he'll be back, but at this point, I wouldn't be totally shocked. I mean, you got to give the man credit. He's done as, probably as well as could be expected under the circumstances.
0: One last Eiserman uh, clip. Here he is talking about the hockey fans here in Michigan and how they'll have to be patient as he tries to restore this team to respectability. Ted, Eisenman did add a couple of other players, minor players at the trade deadline. Sam Gagne and Dimitro who are being held up by Visa issues. They're not here yet. What can fans expect from Gagne and Timishoff?
1: I don't think much, Mark. I mean, Gagne is just on an expiring contract. Uh, actually, I feel bad for the guy to have to come over here for five or six weeks when I guess his family and all is out in Edmonton. He's had a nice career, but I don't know how much of an impact he'll make here in those five or six weeks. Tim Mishoff's an interesting prospect. I mean, there were some people in Toronto who did like him. Couldn't really crack the regular rotation, though he didn't play. He only played 10 minutes a night. He's going to get a better chance here once he gets here. But just another piece in the puzzle. Maybe he can carve out a piece here for the near future.
0: You also talked today to defenseman Cody. Bef, who was uh, claimed off waivers on Friday from Ottawa and will be in the lineup tonight against the Devils. It's
1: basically same thing, Mark. I mean, he's fighting for a job for next year, and all these people are. Uh, he's been a serviceable defenseman in several stops. He'll, he'll try to do his best to get a contract for next year, that's for sure, just like all the rest of them.
0: Our next podcast will be right back here on Monday, March the 2nd, against the Colorado Avalanche, one of the teams that Eiserman talked about in terms of rebuilds with Nathan McKinnon, Cal McCarr, and even a player like Patrick Nemeth, who Eiserman picked up on the first day of free agency last year. Before then, Ted, you have Thursday's home game against the oldest team in the league, the Wild, and then against the youngest team in the league, Saturday in Ottawa. How do you see the week shaping up after the deadline?
1: Mark, if they don't get a couple of victories here this week against the people that they're playing, they're not gonna get a whole lot in the month of March, so it would behoove them to get some points here this week. And don't forget, you can get all your
0: Wings coverage at DetroitNews.com. We have an Octopulse Facebook page, a Grand Rapids report, videos, photos, a newsletter as well, and you can follow Ted on Twitter at T. Colfin. Ted, have a good week, and we'll see you back here on Monday.
1: You too, Mark.